Hi guys, this is John McGann from Max Tennis Academy in Ireland and I'm here with my co-host Dan Kiernan from Soto Tennis in Spain. Together we've created the podcast Control the Coronables, which includes some of the top players from around the world. Our objective is very simple. We want to be able to educate, entertain and energize the tennis community during this very difficult period that we're all going through. Hope you enjoy our next podcast. Welcome to episode 11 of Control the Coronables. This is with Ali Collins. It's a, a bit of a bonus episode. We did an Instagram live earlier this week. Ali Collins is a, is a player from Scotland. She was highly ranked junior and has had, had a bit of a difficult time for a year or two and is now playing on the Pro Tour. She's up to 8 900 in the World WTA. Um, a fantastic, fantastic player and person. Talks very candidly about some of the mental health issues that she has and that and, uh, has had and, uh, around the sport, as well as lots of amazing advice that I think is very relatable for, for girls playing in sport, but also for, for youngsters coming up. Uh, very inspiring the way that she talks and I, and, I, and I wanted to bring it together as a podcast. So please do enjoy the, the bonus episode with Ali Collins. And now over to Ali. Welcome, Ali. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, good, you? Yeah, good. Your, fir- your first Instagram Live? Yeah, first Insta Live, just getting used to what I'm doing, just turning the volume up now. Yeah, new experience. You look you look a lot more comfortable than Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer when they went on it. Yeah, his face wasn't even on the screen, no. <laughs> it wasn't on the screen, and I, and I think it took... Um, it took Rafa about fifteen minutes to to find the connect button, yeah. <laughs> so which which was entertaining. So so how are you doing? How's how's things? Yeah, good. Um, obviously, bit of a weird situation that we're all in, but I think positive is that, like you said, Spain and stuff are starting to get back back to to normal. I mean, you're getting on a tennis court, which is yeah. amazing. Um, but yeah, it's been a bit surreal and just a weird situation to be in. Yeah. So what you been what you been doing? How have you been keeping yourself busy? Well, I've been a bit ill. Obviously, you know that. So it's been difficult to to do any like really hard physical work or anything like yeah. that. Um, which has been a big hit, I think, for any athlete who's ill. It's not a nice feeling because you're so used to being like fit and healthy yeah. to then struggling to go walks and stuff. So I think that's been a big thing. So, but in that time, I've managed to to obviously use the online program that, that you guys have launched, which has been amazing. You know, I think all of the pro players have loved that and all the players, I would say, the mental yeah. work's been great. great. Yeah, we've taken great strides, I think, in like tactical work um, and things like that, that sometimes you let slip when yeah. you're in full, you know, training mode. Um, and also it's been great to do some flexibility work and really try and nail that whilst you know, yeah. like, got that extra time now. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that is, I think it's, it's, it's been great to see you. Obviously, I, I, I work with yourself, Ali, but to see how you've, how you've 
jumped at the challenge and really risen to the challenge. And, and there's obviously some people in this time can, can feel a bit sorry for themselves. But I think the way that you've yeah. gone right, this is, this is what it is. You know, this is our situation. You know, what can we do with this situation is massive. Guys, welcome to, to the Instagram Live. It's great to have you join us. This is, this is Ali Collins, those that don't know Ali. Um, Ali's currently 800, 900 in the world WTA. Um, a very successful junior, uh, 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 an excellent tennis player and, and a great person. Um, so first couple of questions, Al. Yeah. Um, I think an interesting one, actually, this one. Did you play other sports when growing up? Um, yeah, I think I was quite like sporty in general. I loved football. And then at school, played a bit of hockey. Um, so yeah, I did play a few other sports. But I think when... You know, I was getting a little bit older and there was camps and things happening. I kind of made the decision to to go with tennis over football, which now, yeah, I'm pretty glad I made that decision. But yeah. like on that, I think it's so important for people growing up to play as many sports as possible. Um, yeah. Get involved with the team sports, you know, at school. Stay at, like, in, in hindsight, I probably should have stayed playing football a little bit longer yeah. just for the, just for fun, you know. Um, but yeah, played a lot of sport, but tennis was always kind of the number one. And I've seen that left foot of yours. You've seen yeah, that left that. foot. It's a good left, <laughs> a good left foot. Yeah, and actually, do you know what? There, I don't know if you saw it this week, but Bayern Munich have just announced. So they're nine and ten year olds at their academy. They've actually just announced that they're going to stop academy football uh, because they want the nine and ten year olds to go and play lots of other sports. So it's yeah. nice that that's been recognised now. In terms of ne next couple of questions, um, what's the difference? And I see some Scottish people on there, so you might have to go easy on the Scots or <laughs> easy on the Spanish. But what's the difference between training in Spain than in Scotland? Yeah, so I think, like, number one, obviously the weather. Um, in Scotland, we're mostly indoors, whereas in Spain, we're mostly outdoors. And, and I think it's a little bit more realistic to to our competition schedule which is mostly outdoors as well um, oh. but for me the big difference was I had such a good connection with Dan uh, when I first met you and, and I fell kind of in love with the place and the team around you and the support system that that gave me I felt um, yeah. really cared for which um, had been like felt like I'd been missing that for a little bit so um, that was massive for me but also yeah. you're then surrounded by other pro players and, and just in general the whole academy like everyone's trying to get better yeah. everyone's trying to push everyone on and it's uh it's such a nice environment to be in so for me that's like the biggest takeaway from Scotland and Spain that's just personal preference that might be different for you know a different player but for me it was like as soon as I came to Soto like I'd found my place and, yeah. and that was it for me yeah and that's lovely to hear and we've obviously spoke about this before and I suppose that's not necessarily specific from Spain and Scotland. And it, no, it's no. just, you know, you, you, as tennis players, you know, finding that connection with the team. And that yeah. brings me on to a, a question that I'd like to ask, Al, obviously, and I'm sure it'll be nice to share with, with other people. Before that time period, you yeah. did have some time away from the game. Yeah. You know, if you don't mind sharing with people what, because I think there's other tennis players that'll be having those real feelings. You know, sometimes when we yeah. see that, we see the big professionals and the famous names on screen. We maybe don't always get the real, the real hard yeah. truths of, of, of our sport. So yeah. tell me about that period and then how you came through it. 
Yeah, so I think it was like I played Aussie Open Juniors and then was kind of like trying to transition into the pro 15k level um, and yeah, just totally started hating travelling, was really struggling, being away yeah. from home, homesickness. I didn't feel like I found my place yet that I was training where I really enjoyed and loved. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to, to take some time away from the sport um, just after then. So I think I spent most of that year, I think it was 2018, um, just like being normal, um, had a job, just doing some things, um, yeah. you know, still keeping myself fit and healthy. But yeah, I took some time away from the sport just to, you know, reevaluate what, what I was doing and, and yeah. you know, find my focus again. Uh, which thankfully I did, but I think it tied in with, you know, being at Soto because that was like a place that I went to to see soon after that. Yeah. And as soon as I fell in love with like you guys there and and the environment, that kind of brought my passion back a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I think people always see the glamorous side of our sport. Yeah. Maybe like they see, you know, the big guys at the Wimbledon, you know, all these things, but don't actually realise how how tough it is and how lonely it is sometimes um, and yeah. you know we're living out of a suitcase going from hotel to hotel staying with different roommates all the time who sometimes don't even know um you know away from family and friends miss birthdays you know you miss miss things like Absolutely. that at home. so yeah like you said it's not it's not all the glamorous stuff that that some people see and you know everyone always says oh you're always in the sunshine you've got such a nice life and yeah I do it I'm so grateful for yeah. you know the life that I have I'm you know I'm very lucky but I also see that it's it's hard graft and it's it's not easy you know we're not out sunbathing in Spain we're, we're out putting a lot of work in at seven in the morning and you know Absolutely. So, yeah totally agree with that so I have to ask this question especially as we have a Mr Andy Murray who's joined the group and yeah. also um so we got a couple of Scottish guys in and, it, and the question has been asked, obviously, Scottish tennis, and actually we spoke to Gordon Reid this week as well on the podcast, who was brilliant. Gordon, he yeah. was amazing. It was so lovely to meet him. Scottish tennis has had unbelievable success the last the last few years. You know, it really yeah. has. And obviously, Andy and Jamie, but, <clears throat> you know, Colin Fleming, you know, Elena Baltasha a few years ago, you know, there's been, it, it, for such a small nation, yeah. what, would you, what would you put that, being Scottish, and I know how proud you are of your Scottish Scottishness, your Scottish roots. What would you put that down to? I think for me, it was we always had such great idols like Andy, yeah. Jamie. We always had people to look up to. Even if I think back to when I was like really young, you know, there was Johnny O'Mara, Anna Brogan. Yeah. You know, all these really great players to look up to. So I think that that plays a big part in it. But I do think Scots have like a little bit of Scottish grit, like yeah. Um, I don't know if that plays a part in that as well, but yeah, I would put it down to to massively the, the you know idolization like of Andy and Jamie, and that yeah. was all what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be. So yeah, I would put it down to that probably. And how does Scotland and Britain now build on that? Because it, it is, I mean, it is, I mean, for Scotland as a small nation, but even for Britain as a as a, as a bit of a bigger nation. Yeah. It's incredible what's happened, and, and, and it has to be built on. It, it absolutely yeah. has to. So in your opinion, how does that get built on? I think we need to keep inspiring. Like us, you know, coming up in, in the sport now, we, we need to keep inspiring the young kids to get involved, yeah. 
the girls to stick in and, and you know, yeah. enjoy it and, and all those things. I think otherwise if we don't have, you know, I think when I was young, there were so many of us at the time. You know, yeah. we travelled in groups. It was fun. It was, it was light-hearted. It wasn't a disaster if you lost. It wasn't so serious. It was just... It was this excitement about going and traveling to a new country with with your friends, really. So yeah. yeah, I think we've got to try and keep inspiring and being good role models to the young ones coming up. Yeah. But also, it's about just trying to get as many people involved in the sport as possible. I think. Yeah, I do just want to, one thing on that as well, Al. I yeah. think it's um. For, for we've had Jamie. Jamie was on the Instagram. We had Paul Job, and it's great to get yourself on. You know, it's really important for us as an academy, and we speak a lot about this in terms of promoting women's tennis, and and like yeah. you touched on, and inspiring people. In terms, and if Andy is still listening, is everything Andy has achieved, you know, which we all have absolute respect for. The number one thing that I've probably got the biggest amount of respect for Andy Murray for. Is, is how he's brought attention to the subtle sexism that, that yeah. is in the sport. And, you know, and, 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 and he really has. And I think he's changing a lot of, a lot of people's opinions on the back of that. And, and I, I know that's a big thing for you. And I know yeah. that's a big thing that drives you and motivates you. Yeah. What can we as a sport do to continue, I suppose, fighting that battle and, and bringing that to the forefront? I think it's like you said, like just getting people's attention to it, maybe like, like you said, it's subtle. You some people might not even notice it, like and things like that. So I think it's just awareness of, of you know, the yeah. female side of the game and things like that. But I feel like we have such good um, people speaking out about it just now that that it's it's going in that direction. So I think the way it's going is perfect. Great. Um, and, and and actually, as I'm looking at some questions. Tennis are doing a much better job than most sports and we, yeah. we need to keep remembering that and keep pushing. Yeah. Enjoying it. What age did you start playing tennis? I think I started playing when I was actually five. Um, like picking up a racket and, and that sort of stuff. I think maybe it got a little bit more serious around like 10, 11. Like I started to like take it a bit more seriously, like go to a few more lessons and stuff. Yeah. Um, the statement and a question, I think he's kind of jumped on the back of what you said, but it might get you to say something. You said building and keeping groups of friends together throughout yeah. the journey is key. Yeah, for sure. I think because as well, a big message is when you're young and you're in the groups and it's building friendships and it's fun and then all of a sudden it can kind of go to, to quite individual and quite... Um, serious quite soon and um, yeah. so I felt like when I was around like 15 I moved to Florida and it kind of went really quite serious like quite quickly yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like yeah it's just building on keeping those friendships and and trying to travel in groups and and yeah be you know you're still young you're still you try and be normal as well and, and not yeah. you know go straight into the you know now a professional player because at 15 and stuff you've so much to learn and you know so much time as well so absolutely and I think that I think that's why this has worked I think that's yeah. why you know I remember you coming in and you know one of the first things I'll always do as a coach is say you know what is it that you want and what are your expectations and and, and I remember you saying and it was so lovely to hear you said I really want to travel in groups and I'd yeah. love to 
and I'm quite used to actually some players coming in and saying, I'm going to travel one on one, you know, because yeah. there is quite that in tennis, you know, and, and that was so lovely to hear. I think that's something that's, that's worked really, really well at New Work, we'll bounce off that really well. Um, what's been the most effect effective thing to advance your game forward? Um, I think for me the biggest thing was having a good team around you, um, yeah. you know, and having good you know players around you as well. I think that's so important to surround yourself um, in a good environment with players who have similar ambitions and, and drives, which yeah. is massive at Soto. You know, I'm surrounded by you know, all the, the pro players there that are they're aiming for the same thing as me. So I think that's that's really important to surround yourself with positive people. But also then, you know, you've got Mike and, and Luke at Stotto as well. The fitness is massive. So yeah, absolutely. just having a good solid team around you is so important. What's what's the most exciting thing about tennis for you? Um most exciting thing I think for me at the time, most exciting events were normally ones at home, um, you know, normally in a team or, you know, Maureen yeah. Connolly playing for Great Britain, you know, those are all moments that, that I'll always remember because I had, you know, I get like a little fire in my belly, you know, competing and, you know, those kind of spring to mind when I think about really exciting times was, yeah, with, with a team or, you know, competing for your country is always special and brings different emotions sometimes as well so it's probably the most exciting thing and and again especially for younger girls that are listening yeah who's who's your favorite player in and and who and not just favorite player but who do you aspire to play like who do you think are some of the girls that um that excite you on the tour right now so i think um what we've touched on a lot was ashley barty yeah um, just because I think she really excites me because we have some similarities in our game. Um, we're slightly different. We like to slice, you know, come forward really comfortable at the net, a few drop shots, you know, things like that. So obviously me watching her, that excites me because that's how I aspire to play in the future. Um, so, yeah, people like Ash Barty, Jabour, um, you know, those sorts of sorts of girls are more the players that, yeah. that I watch. I think majority of the girls do play, you know, a similar game style, which um, can be quite, you know, heavy baseline, you know, really solid from the back, you know, can have some big weapons and stuff. But yeah, I don't, that doesn't excite me as much to watch because it's not how I play tennis. So yeah. I think it's important to have a few players that you either look up to or that, have similar game styles because then you can start to sort of visualize how you want to play in the future as well and just to touch on one thing you said there al yeah so play a little play a little bit different but why do you know what like it doesn't uh, do, do you think that maybe is our, us as coaches maybe this is coaches fault that we almost try and tie everyone with the same brush and girls play that way and boys play that way because yeah. I know one of the things I love about working with you is is the exciting game style that you have and the, yeah. and the variations you know so I guess my question is does that have to be different than the um, girls game? I don't think it should be different I know for, yeah. for sure that that came so naturally to me because when I was young I was surrounded by coaches who 
who wanted to develop those skills and I remember yeah. sessions being so fun and yeah. working on slices, we were working on drop shots, you know, mm -hmm. we were trying to do, you know, it was different stuff that we did. So yeah, I yeah. think that is massive and if you don't develop those skills from a young age, then obviously it's more difficult as you're, you're getting older. Of course, you can still develop volleys and things like that, but I think it comes so naturally to me because I've been doing it, you know, since I started playing tennis. Um, but yeah, I don't think it needs to be different, but I think there needs to be obviously a change in, in the coaching style or if if everyone's thinking that we should play, you know, a certain way, then I think that's that's wrong. It should just be a progression and the, the player, if that's how they prefer to play, then that's how they prefer to play. That's fine. But I think you do need to mix up the the training when they're, they're really young. Yeah. For sure, that's why... I find, you know, volleying and things so, so natural. And, Absolutely. Yeah, I was brought up kind of doing all those things. And I'd like to say a big thank you to all those coaches. Yeah. They make, they, yeah. they make, they make my job a lot easier now, yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's for sure. We've got Kay. What is something you use in every match that a Soto, a Soto tennis coach has taught you? So... Well, it's through Soto Tennis that I learned it, but it's the um, it's called the ABC routine, um, which is more of a mental routine that, I mean, this is a new thing. This hasn't been, um, you know, something that I've done from a young age, for sure. This is something that I've learned in the past year, maybe. Um, but it's been massive, and it's, it's about committing to an action um, rather than focusing on, oh, my God, it's 1540, or I've just missed three forehands, or you know it's focusing on a committed action say it's whatever you're working on or you yeah. know back out in front or low base or you know whatever it is that that it is that makes you tick but it's focusing more on that than you know a process related goal and then it's asking yourself after the point did I commit to that or did I not commit to that and a yes or no and then okay let's go again and you have a few key words to to then get on to the next point so that that's probably been a massive thing that that I've learned at Soto um, just recently as well. My job's done, I tell you. I'm not going to have a job soon. You're saying it, saying it better than we say it. Yes. So, so have you found it hard being at home all this time, considering you're usually away so much? Um, yeah, it's kind of a, like I spoke to a few players about this actually because yeah, you would think it would be a little bit weird for us to spend so much of time, but I've actually. Yeah, I've missed playing and stuff, but I've I've loved being home because we don't get this opportunity very often to to spend so much time with family, you know, and and be be home, you know, for. I mean, normally when I come home, it's like okay, I'm leaving in a week, or I'm leaving in a week and a half, yeah. or I'm leaving in like four days. So there's always like that end, you know, you're leaving. So yeah, it's been different, definitely. But I've kept, I've quite enjoyed it. Um, you know, I'm just taking advantage of the time that I've got with my family and. You know, staying in my own bed, it's all the little things, your mum's cooking, grand's cooking, all those things that, that you miss when you're away. So, yeah, I'm just taking advantage, advantage of it now. And then, obviously, when I go away again, it'll probably be quite difficult um, initially, but I'll get back into the swing of it uh, once we get going again. And when do you think that'll be? When do you think that'll be tournament-wise? I don't know. I think a few players have maybe said there might not be any for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm kind of prepared for whatever is thrown um, at us, but yeah, I have no idea. And actually, just to share with the viewers, we were we were we were sticking Ali on a 
on a 16-week training block anyway. So yeah. <laughs> it's actually, it's almost like Ali did like a little a little dance for this, for the ITF yeah. to cancel for a few months so that she didn't miss out. So yeah. she's going to come back like a machine in a few months. Um, a, a question here with one of our one of our football football and opponents on a Wednesday night. He's asking why you're not part of the Wednesday football team if I you've mean, got I've, such I've a good left foot. I've suggested, like I've been, I've put myself <laughs> forward a few times, but I think, I think a few of the coaches are a bit wary of me because I'm all in or, <laughs> or nothing. So, and I'm a bit injury prone, so I would hate to, you know, get a bit carried away on a Wednesday night and put myself out <laughs> for. And with, the we're also we're also taking it easy on you by not unleashing her on you, Brooksy. Yeah. You guys wouldn't be able to handle her. Um, James McKinley in the house. He's asking if you want to play a mixed dubs at Wimby. Always, always with J Mac. He carried me in um, in the Salsa tournament, so always. You, been, you, you, always. You, got, you guys were an amazing team. Yeah, you, good, good gel. Um, another question here, which I think is a it's a nice question to ask, and it's a, it's, a, it's a real serious question to ask. Yeah. And 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 it is is there enough support available for players struggling with mental health in tennis? Um, I think it's a difficult one. Um, yeah. I would probably uh, maybe say no. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's as. I think it's getting more spoken about now. Yeah. Um, but for sure, I went through a period of time where I really struggled with my mental health. Um, I really was unhappy. Um. Yeah. And I think because when I was young, we kind of I left school early to play tennis. Um. So I didn't feel like I had a backup. So it was a bit of a panic for me when I wanted to take a bit of time off. Like, oh my God, if tennis doesn't work out, you know, what can I do? So I think it definitely, it's so important to have good people around you to and be open with them. So I think I've learned that definitely over the years that holding stuff in is not the best way. And you've got to be open with your parents or your siblings or you know, coach or whoever it is, but just try and be as open as you can um, because ultimately you can't be helped if you don't speak out and, and yeah. say what it is that you're feeling. So, yeah, I would say it's a... I don't know if it's a bit of a grey area. I don't know if there's a lot of um, support there. I'm not really too sure, but I think ultimately if you have good people around you, you can you can 100% get through it and, and yeah. you know, speaking out about it is definitely the, the way forward. I think on that one, Al, as well, and, and, and I would say we know each other really well now a couple of years in, but yeah. it, it has, it has, it does take time, you yeah. know, for, you know, it takes time for, for that relationship to build as a coach and to play a, yeah. For you know me as a coach, I would never, I guess, force those questions on a player. Mm -hmm. The players have to talk about things when they feel comfortable to talk about things. And and secondly, you're very fortunate to have an amazing network behind you in terms of your of your family. You know, very yeah. close to your brother. You know, there is a lot of players out there that don't have that natural support yeah. network. You know, and 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 for me, I would say then no, there isn't because yeah. because actually we're relying what we're relying on in the sport is just that that natural support system to be yeah. in place and and for you know i've i've been 
around a lot of mental health over the years and, and, and dealt with a lot of players and coaches and situations that maybe five, six years ago I would never have been able to deal with. Whereas now maybe I'm a little bit better equipped to at least be able to understand it and, and yeah. be able to then point in the right direction. You know, yeah. far from an expert. Whereas when I think about how many tennis coaches have had that experience and do know that, then probably not that many as well. So yeah. it, it's it, it is something that more and more and you know, I have to shout out, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's listening to this, but Joe Dixon, who has just set up a company called Support for Sport. Um, you know, and that's that's what that's all about. And you know, we're partners with them at the academy and, and it is that. It's to have it's to have an outlet, it's to be yeah. able to you know, be able to talk to experts to have that to have that those possibilities, because we people need it. You know, we all yeah. need it to a degree, and and some people will need it more than others. So I think it's it's an important subject, and I'm pleased that question came up. So thank you for the yeah. question because it's an important topic to be talked about. Yeah. Um. Really good. I'll let me see. So we got here. So, um, has tennis coaching for kids changed since you were younger, Ali? Me as a golfer and a coach, it's changed massively. And if it has, do you think it's helped grow the game? Um, yeah, I would say I think it has changed a little bit. Um, from what I remember, like I said, being a kid, it was all about fun, friends, developing new skills. You know, it yeah. was all, it was just fun. Like, it's literally all I remember was games, yeah, yeah. bobsley, you know, it was <laughs> It was great fun. We always had a Bob's laugh. Way. What a yeah. game. What a game know, Bob's like, is. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, I think now maybe it becomes a little bit too serious too soon is what I would say. I think yeah. I see sometimes young players, like, two across one line, two across one line. And, I'm, yeah. you know, that's a great drill for sure. And, it, it, you know, it's going to help them improve. But I just think ultimately this journey is, is so long and, it, and it's a tough journey. It's really, yeah. really, really difficult. And the longer that you can enjoy it and, you know, you know, keep loving the sport and, and keep it lighthearted and fun, I think the longer you can do that, the better for, for the kids. Um, yeah, I just think sometimes it can be a little bit too serious too soon now from what I've seen. Absolutely. I'd go with that. Absolutely. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. I don't know if maybe now young kids, like, see right away that that's what they want to do and, Maybe, I don't know if it's the parents, maybe that's what they see their, their, their child doing. But I think for me, I grew up with, uh, like you said, I'm very fortunate to have an amazing family who let me make my own decisions. And, you know, yeah. it, was always, it was always my choice if I wanted to play tennis or I wanted to play football. Um, and I think ultimately that is why I'm still playing tennis as well. Because if it's not your choice and you're being pushed into something constantly eventually yeah. they'll just burn out because you've got to do what you love and you know what you you want to do so I think that was big for me as well I've always yeah. had supportive parents who have yeah. never pushed me to do anything I've just let me do my own thing and you know always supported me so yeah very lucky. Do you think it's because in tennis I always think this with tennis the parents are technically employing the coach yeah, you know, so the, so they're getting obviously their hard-earned money out, and they're they're paying their hard-earned cash. Yeah. So it almost, I think, with some parents, becomes 
even more important that they feel such ownership on it and, yeah. and feel and feel almost some power and, and, and position on it, which I fully, I fully, I fully understand. Whereas in a lot of sports, let's say if you were went down the football route, and yeah. it was, it was. I need to be careful what I say. Rangers or Celtic? <laughs> Who's the family team? No, we're neither. We're not. Oh, yeah, no. We're not okay, so I can say either. Rangers or Celtic come in for you. They're they're offering you that for free. You know, yeah. they're almost. You know, they they have a bit of a dip. So then the parents maybe have a bit of a different position. I I, I don't know, but they just it's it certainly seems to be something that you know more and more like you say is is it does become a little bit too serious. And I and I think. As tennis coaches, we can feel that the pressure on that to then have to be delivering serious sessions and showing that things are being done all the time, you yeah. know, rather than actually us. We, we talk a lot now. Yeah. It, the way that it's set up in Soto is different. It's not an hourly rate fee. So if we decide one day we're going to talk for 35 minutes because actually that's best for your mental health or that's best for your game identity, you know, yeah. whatever it might be, we're not being judged on that. No. Whereas if your parents at the side and they've paid whatever it is, forty pound for the for the tennis lesson, while you're talking for half an hour and you're not smacking balls, I don't know. Just a thought I had. Yeah. Um, your daily routine in lockdown is to keep fit for tennis. Okay, so um, yeah, it's been a little bit difficult because I've been ill. So in terms of physical work, I've actually only been doing rehab and flexibility until I'm able to to get back to full full health at the moment but my routine daily is um you know every morning I have a morning routine you know that's out of lockdown in lockdown which uh, is I get up I make my bed number one keep mum happy <laughs> um I do some gratefulness in my journal just like a couple of things that I'm grateful for and then I do some meditation so that kind of like kick starts my day um, it's kind of something that's worked for me for probably over about a year now. Um, yeah, so I do that pretty much every day. And then, yeah, it's been a lot of the work that the guys at Soto have, have been helping us with, with on the online programme. So tactical work we've been doing, a lot of video analysis, which I've loved doing. Um, it's kind of the things that you might not have time or you don't normally prioritise when you're on court. Um because it's all about, you know, drilling and, you know, and that's like your main focus. And I think sometimes you lose the the off-court stuff is actually more important yeah. than the mental stuff. So, yeah, we've just been nailing that and trying to do as much as that as we can in, in this period of time where we don't have access to, to courts. And I have to say, live on Instagram, I don't know if I've given you this credit in person, I think I have. Ali's done an amazing job of it, you know, and really... You know, that's what I love, and, and, and I guess in, in this in this time, and again, anyone listening that's doing the online program, we we're setting frameworks for you guys. You know, there's we're, we're not trying to give you all the answers. You know, we're getting, and then it is up to up to the the, the student or the, the player to go and then delve into their different areas, come back and ask questions. And, and some of the pieces of work that you've done have been have been amazing. You know, and I've I certainly as your coach have seen massive improvements in in lots of areas and i'm excited to see how they'll transform onto the court so yeah. well so really well done um chris another good question so what in tennis makes you the most happy um okay so i think a big thing with that for me is i love the training um i love getting up early and you know sometimes dan will probably argue that um when i'm a bit <laughs> <moody in the morning. laughs> 
Um, but no, I love the day-to-day -day work that, that we do out in Spain. Um, that, that makes me happy when I know I'm putting the work in and I'm progressing, even if it's that 1% a little bit every day. Um, so that kind of drives me almost, um, just knowing that, you know, my end goal is just to be the best version of myself and become the best player that I can become. So, you know, that that's ultimately my goal. So by putting the work in every day, that, that makes me, me happy. And that's, I think that's definitely one of the biggest things that makes me happy. But I also do, you know, have huge happiness when I'm on court competing and I'm in that, I think, I don't know if anyone's seen me play much, but a lot of people might know me for being a bit of a dogfight. Like, I love the battle. You know, those are the, the matches that I remember and that, you know, that they do give me happy memories, you know, and those are the nicest, nicest ones when you can just totally, you're having a dogfight with a girl and you come through a three-hour, you know, marathon or whatever it is, you know, those are the moments that, that I'll always remember. And note to self, when watching Ali Collins in a dogfight, don't pick the corner where the sun is coming down directly <laughs> on you. I've been stuck in that corner and once the match starts with players, you don't want to move. Take your seat and move. And I'm just like stuck with like just sun just belting on me for like three and a half hours. Um, but all, all worth it. How do you think players' mental approach to matches will change after COVID? Do you think there'll be more clarity on strategy and more taking of their opportunities? I think it's a really good question, really interesting yeah. question. Well, I think from my point of view, um, definitely we'll have, we'd have a clearer, you know, more clarification on my game style um, and how I want to play on court. I think as well, I've watched so much tennis over the past few weeks as well. And it's just, yeah, it's constantly, you know, taking in what the pros are doing and watching, you know, that, that level up from you and, and, you know, being inspired. And I think for sure when, when players come back from this, if they've taken advantage of the opportunity and, and done the work, then definitely they'll, they'll get on court with a clearer mindset. And, you know, I think it's just, a big thing for me was game style, you know, knowing your game style and knowing what you do well and knowing your strengths. And that's, that's been the biggest thing for me. Talk a lot about control the controllables at the academy. Um, so what do we do to, how do we define a controllable? Asked, and, and I guess if you listen to, to Ali speaking in the last 30, 35 minutes, she's pretty much talked about it you know it's you know everything that she's talked about have been things that are in her control you know those things that are out of our control the results how well we play the weather you know all of these outside factors absolutely can influence how we feel when we're when we're on the court but if we can if we can live by the rules of actually we're going to control what we can control okay we can be aware of how we feel we can accept how we feel but then we can then put our attention back on something that is a controllable, you know. So can you give us some, give us some examples of controllables that you might put your mind to either pre-match or, or, or in, in a match? Um, well, I think a big thing that I always try to control is my nutrition. I try yeah. to eat really well. Um, I don't want that to be a factor as to why I've lost a match if I've, ate a mcdonald's two days before i would definitely I, that's just my personality i yeah, would yeah. if i lost a match be oh well it could have been that mcdonald's you know so nutrition yeah. is a big one for me i think sleep obviously that that's never been an issue for me either but you know you've got to get enough sleep to be to be ready those are 
just basic things but then you can look into you know have you done your your visualization before the match you know have you warmed up properly all those things are in your control and ultimately if you do lose the match and you've done all those you know things in your control then maybe they were just too good in the day or you know you didn't put your game on how you wanted it to play that day or whatever it is but I think it's peace of mind for me for sure if I've done all those things at least I can be you know happy that I've put everything in beforehand and then you just leave it out there on the court and then you see what happens. And what about on court? What about you? You're now in the heat of the battle. Yeah. You're, you're dealing with some nerves, you're dealing with some frustrations, dealing with some difficulties. What's a controllable at that in that moment that you can get your mind on? Uh, well, I think the biggest thing I actually learned was because the first thing that pops in my mind is like, oh, control your emotions. But I think being at Sotwa, I've learned that you're never going to get rid of those emotions. They're always going to be there. So it's actually learning to deal with having those emotions and still being able to, to try and play some of your, your best tennis in the big moments, which is incredibly difficult. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, it's really, really hard to do. But, you know, I'm learning that, that, you know, I think I was growing up and it was always, you know, you need to learn to control your emotions, you need to learn to control your, you know, your frustration, because I was a wee bit mad when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately, you're always going to have those. You're always going to have nerves. You're always going to have all those different feelings. And it's just learning how to deal with them a bit better. So it could be literally anything. It could be focusing on a contact point or a position on the court. If you're just got a big one, a couple of times I've used is primary patterns, like just hit across the body. If, if, if all's going wrong, just hit across the body, go cross court yeah. or, you know, keep it really, really simple. I think when things are maybe going wrong out there I tend to anyway overthink things and I think it's trying to stick to really really basic and simple goals and then try and go from there very good we're going to do one last thing we've, we've run out of questions if anyone does have a question you're going to build we we had we had Rafa and Roger no we didn't who did we have do this we had we had Andy and and Djokovic did this okay. um build your Build your the best women's tennis player in the world, and we're going to start with serve. We're going to start with serve. Serena for sure. Serena serve. Serena. Yeah. Over over Pliskova. Yeah. Pliskova's go got her on stats over the last couple of years on serve, really? on service games. Yeah, most service games held Pliskova's higher than Serena. But I you would just got Serena. No, no, you go with the you go with emotion. You go with feeling yeah. rather than you know. Rather, um, we'll go with forehand next. Um, well, I've watched a little bit of her recently. Sabalenka. Right. Okay. Pretty massive forehand. Um, wouldn't mind having having that in my locker. Backhand. Yeah. Backhand. Um. I do like the Barty backhand, um, yeah. because she can use the the slice um, to change it up as well, which I would like to do a little bit more um, than I am currently. So yeah, I would go Barty backhand. This is sounding like a good player. I like I like this yeah. player so far. <laughs> and and volleys. Volleys. Um... Yourself. Yourself. Yeah, it's got to be me. I've got to back myself now. <laughs> Come on, you've got to get yourself in there. Right. Yeah, go on then. Imagine that. A Malenka's forehand, bang, in you come. <laughs> Ali Collins knock off volley. We'll have yeah. a bit of that. 
And what about attitude? You know, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Just overall attitude. Um, I love Azarenka attitude. Yeah. I think she's the the idol in terms of mentality. She's so yeah. mentally fit, as we call it, like at Soto. She yeah. she never lets things phase her. She gets on with the job, and you never see her giving away a loose point. You know, she's always there battling. Um, and I think that's a big thing for me. I always look up to people who, you know, fight for every point without without a doubt. So yeah. she's definitely who I would go for. Very good. Now, I, I, would, I like Barty. And do you know what I like about Barty? I love how, and I do think this is, I think you've got this in you as well. And I think it does, it comes down to players that have played other sports. You yeah. know, Barty was what played professional cricket not long before she was world number one, and she always talks about we. You know, and I, I, I always, I always like that. I think, I think in a sport that is so individualized. Yeah. You know, I, I think being able to create that that team environment around you, you know, and and she'll always take responsibility. She'll stick a hand up, but she'll. She'll, whenever she has success, as she talks about we as a team, and yeah. I think I think that makes a big difference to her. And I think because of that, she can she's quite level with the losses as well, because yeah. because as we know, tennis can be very lonely. And if we're just taking those losses on our own, and yeah. and actually at the, at the same time, and I'll share a, a little story about me. I, the the day that I realised. I wasn't going to be a top professional tennis player on, on the singles court. It was the day that I actually won my first singles futures event. And I qualified and I'd won the event. But I'd won the event. I was on my own. I was in India. I went out for dinner on my own. Everyone else had gone to the next tournament. And I was just exhausted. And I, and, and I, I remember sitting there thinking, I'm not, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do this week after week after week after week after week. And I think it was a little bit of that. Just I, I wasn't very good at just even the, even the wins. I wanted to share the wins with someone, but I yeah. also wanted to share the losses. And I think, I think Ash Barty's done a great job in creating that vibe, yeah. which I, th I think helps her then perform. Um, yeah. we got, um, so what advice would you give all those kids who are just starting to play tennis? Um, I think, like I've said earlier on in, in this um, chat, my number one advice is to enjoy yourself. You know, have fun with your friends. Um, try and stay in, you know, some different sports if that's what you want to do. Um, but I also think I kind of grew up with, um, you know, my dad had always said that, you know, after every session, make sure you've you've given 100% and you've, you know, you've worked hard and, I think that's a big message that I would pass on to to younger players because ultimately tennis is a tough sport and everyone's out there working hard. You know, obviously when you're really young, it's just about enjoying. But as you get a little bit older, it's about, you know, trying to, to give your 100% in every session, every match. And then you can look at yourself at the end of your career and say, like, you gave it everything and, and, you know, and this is where I got to. Um, so, yeah, big, biggest advice is to enjoy it, but also, you know, put the work in and, and work hard very good well al it's been um you've spoken incredibly well i'm sure everyone that's that's listened has been some lovely comments so thank you for everyone that's listened and hopefully people will get a chance to listen back to this as well um yeah. you know keep keep working hard keep doing what you're doing you know um 
to anybody listening as well, anybody that wants more information on the online program, you'll see that our flyers and posters are up on, on social media. But please do reach out to us. There's lots of opportunities yeah. for all levels of players um, and also coaches that, that want to get involved to help their players as well. So, But a big, big thank you for you. You take care of yourself. Yeah, keep thank working you. hard. And I'm sure Thanks, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up again tomorrow. Thanks for listening, guys. And a big thank you to Ali, who I believe articulated herself extremely well. Got some some wonderful learnings in there uh, from someone who's, who's doing it. You know, she's 19, 20 years old. She's trying to make her way on the tour. And it's it's real, guys. You know, the these stories, these stories are real in the world of tennis. And sometimes we see see the stories that come across from your Nadals, your Williamses, your you know your top end players, and and we forget about some of the dark sides of the game, um, but also the bright sides of the game at that level, and and how close you are to being a top professional tennis player, yet how far away it feels at times. Um, I hope you can take a lot a lot from that podcast, and as ever keep sharing liking we're now on all platforms so please subscribe and keep getting the word out for these fantastic messages we feel very thankful and lucky to be able to be talking to these amazing athletes and different people in our sport and showing what a what a great vehicle tennis is uh, in in all forms of life i'm dan keenan my co-host john mcgann thank you